and welcome to episode 40 of the Night Gallery podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Today we're talking about The Diary, which is the first story from episode 8, season 2. It is, uh, well it was first aired November 10th, 1971. And considering the fact that this is the 40th episode of the Night Gallery podcast, I'm quite pleased that this story is a Rod Serling script, an original one, not based on a... Uh, not based on any other novels or short stories, and it's directed by William Hale. And I think it's safe to say this story is one that uh, is a little darker than most. Good evening. A most cordial welcome to a display of canvases from what you might call the Mausoleum School of Art. Subject, a common enough item utilized by teenagers and tycoons the daily journal in which we notate the happenings of our day-to-day existence. But in this instance, a unique periodical that doesn't record what was, but rather predicts what will be. Its title, The Diary. It's our initial offering in the Night Gallery. So we begin with a gossip columnist who works for television. It's a woman called... Uh, Holly Schaefer, who's played by Patty Duke. Now, on her, um, her regular slot, she has been viciously beaten down a um, a woman, a woman uh, called uh, Carrie Crane, who's played by Virginia Mayer, um, the old forties star. Um, Holly is basically coming up with a lot of salacious gossip about the uh, the former faded star and uh, mainly the fact that she is uh, turned to drink as the, the work dried up for her and is struggling to keep things together and now it's New Year's Eve so our actress manages to get up in the, into the uh, into the apartment that uh, the Holly's apartment where the party's being held and she's got a present for her it's all a bit awkward initially, as you could probably imagine, um, because you know the, the the tensions between the two people. But oddly, uh, Carrie Crane has with her a a book or a present anyway, which it reveals to be a book, a diary. She gives her the diary, says that it cost her a lot of money, and is actually quite special, and then leaves. Holly uh, reads the first page of the diary and realises that it's a reflection on events that, well, appeared not to have happened yet. Mainly on the fact that um, Carrie Crane has left the building and committed suicide. New Year's Day, a bummer all the way around. Can't shake that miserable disquiet over Crane's suicide. And how typically ham-boned to do it on New Year's Eve. Can't make it in life, so do it in death. But even so, an ugly little preface to what I hope is a better New Year. It's my handwriting, but I didn't write it. This cycle of seeing a page and being written in her own handwriting, but she hadn't written it herself... And then also, the events happening happens again. And by January the third, um, 
the, the diary is declaring that her boyfriend, um, Jeb Harlan, played by Robert Euro, will die, die in a car crash, and she will blame herself for this death. Um, Unsurprisingly, Holly's gone to see a psychiatrist for help. She's worried, she doesn't really know what to do. And after this final premonition comes true and she loses a fella, she then finds out that on January 4th, there's no, the diary hasn't been filled in. And she, well, she's in truth, she jumps to the conclusion that the reason for that is simple. That in actual fact, what's gonna it's gonna be now is that she will in fact die. She panics and she tries to find a way out of this. Certainly out of the um, the way to like cheat this premonition that's been written down in front of her, or not in this case. She gets herself booked into psychiatric hospital. The theory is that if she can't hurt herself and she's locked away, she can ride out this last day without a kill it, without killing herself. We cut to the hospital, and she's in there, and she's making a lot of noise from her cell. She's screaming to the nurse that she wants to talk to the doctor. So our doctor, Dr. Mill, who's played by David Wayne, comes and sees her. Holly's had a change of plan. She's been thinking about it and she realises that maybe the reason why she couldn't, she wasn't able to, to write the form, to fill it out, you know, to write in the entries because in actual fact she has no pen and she's tied up in the straitjacket. She's unable to write the entry in the diary. Um, she screams and begs for a pen so that she can fill it in and beat the prophecy. Um... The doctor then heads back out to the nurse and then speaks to her. And then we get our final reveal of exactly what's happening. In the upper right-hand drawer, you'll find a pen. Would you give it to me, please? Wait. You're going to let her have it? You're new on this ward, aren't you? Uh, it's my first shift. I thought so. Otherwise, you'd know. We give her a pen every evening. Every evening, Doctor? Yes. Miss Schaefer has been a patient at this sanitarium going on five years now. Hurry, Doctor! Hurry! That's right. It isn't the diary that's being Holly's undoing. It's herself. Her own paranoia and guilt and worry and a survival instinct has led her down this very bleak path where she has now be, remained in hospital for five years completely mentally destroyed um, it's a great, it's a great I think, personally think it's a great little story I really enjoy it um, the original idea came about during uh, Night Gallery season one it was a little different at that stage. Sterling, when he uh, floated the idea to uh, to the studios initially, um, was suggesting um, a bit more of a spooky shop kind of idea, something maybe that a little bit more Twilight Zone like, and but certainly more horror filled. In this one, it's about a woman who investigates the death of somebody else after 
they purchase the diary and then they follow the same path as well that leads to their own downfall. Here it's got a bit more narrative thrust and also um, the, the classic thing that I think Salem writes of, of people getting their just desserts. Um, it's got a, you know, a real, a real clever uh, but you know vitriolic ending I think you wonder where the story's gonna go it's um, quite unusual and spooky at first and obviously quite macabre with people just generally just dying you don't know if it's the diary or you don't know if um, you know the curse is, is that people around who will die you're not sure exactly what the cycle of events is about this diary you just know it has great power and sway over what's happening to Holly and then obviously the uh, the final announcements that it's uh, that this is the, that sh this diary and its effects have completely destroyed this person who herself was trying to destroy somebody else through their her own vitriolic gossipy taunts. I think um, it was true in the seventies. And I think it's equally true now that people quite like the idea of these people getting their own comeuppance, these nasty tabloid-esque, um, you know, gossip merchants. I think with the internet, there's far, far, far too many of them these days, I think. And uh, they still do a roar and trade in the newspapers as well, unfortunately. So, I mean, in that sense, it's really good. Um, Salem, the script itself... Rather, aside from the narrative, early on certainly is an unusual one to an extent. Um, it has that sailing, um, you know, flow, really nice narrative, but he bangs in a loads of um, Hollywood-esque style slang here and there, which dates it quite a lot. I have to say, and not that much because it's, you know, for me personally, because as an Englishman, um, it's all, you know, I mean, it always sounds a bit unusual in terms of the, you know, the language that's used. I mean, it, it never, it, it always sits slightly off kilter to how I, you know, to, to, to how I'd speak, not just this, but all American TV. You kind of think most people outside America always have to, you know, you kind of get used to it and tune yourself in. But so when different slang comes in, it doesn't feel alien. It just feels something else you have to acclimatize to. Like you know, like watching The Wire or something like that, you kind of just get used to the way the the, the flow of the dialogue and the way people speak. Um, I think, but uh, but in this case, I think for other people it might be a bit bit bit, bit tricky, you know, beneath the valley of the dolls and that kind of stuff. I suppose is a more direct comparison at the beginning anyway. Uh, later on, obviously, it's more um, it's more cold and more. Well, definitely more <clears throat> night gallery in it, in it in the way it, it works. Um, the other thing is about Patty Duke in the in the role of Holly. Um, she at this time was suffering quite a lot from manic depression and various other problems, and um, she isn't quite she wasn't quite the force of nature. As she sometimes is in her roles. Um, it's one of those. Is do I do I notice it more because I know that because after you know a few years later on when she when she when she spoke about it, or do I see it in that performance? 
I think she gives Holly a vulnerability which really helps with the character. In truth, I think if she was just a monster like um, Joan Crawford in Eyes um, in the pilot, I think it would be a lot harder to, to, to really go over on that journey that she goes on. And it began, it becomes more believable that she, she snaps so entirely at the end. I think it's the, for me it's the idea that Holly is the classic bully, somebody who uh, attacks other people either through, well, through a mixture of jealousy and a lack of self-confidence in themselves, in the, you know, lack of belief in themselves. I think that's a, a good way to look at it. And obviously it's a real shame that uh, that Patty was was struggling f through this. Um, Virginia Mayo is barely there as a performance in truth. She just hits the marks and then gets out, which is disappointing. But you know she was <laughs> she was an ancient star. I mean, it's not not much else you can say to it about that really. Um, I think really. The best way, I mean, there are anecdotes about various things in this, but none of them are particularly enough to get involved with in terms of, I mean, do you really want to know that um, that Patty Duke was, was fluffing lines and, you know, they seem to have a good time making it, despite problems that was happening. Um, For me, the story really peaks at the end. Obviously, because you know it's the big, big reveal in that. But it's a great little scene when you see Holly in the cell and the doctor outside, and they're, they're communicating through very narrow slats in the door. It's very isolating, but you can see exactly what her world is now, and also exactly what what, what she's become. There's a distance, and it really, really is very, very solid stuff. Um, I mean, that's all down to William Hale and the work he did. And it's certainly something that got picked up on later. When um, Spielberg went to, uh, went to um, get the, um, the team together to do the TV movie in 1974, Nightmare. Uh, which he, he got hold of, William Hale, and William Hale and Patty Duke as well, and he got it deliberately through this episode. He asked the art director, uh, Joe Alves, who was the guy who directed this, this bit, and he told him, and, and that's why he got him on board. Um, if you're interested, a Nightmare is not the greatest TV movie ever, in truth. Uh, it's a bit silly, and it's, it's just churned out, you know, Friday night kind of thing. Um, if you get a chance to look at it, go ahead, but I don't think you'd be particularly blown away, to be honest. But, coming back to this um, this story, um, Hale manages to really create an unease and a tension in those closing scenes. I don't have to die! I can write anything, anything at all! If I write on the page, it means nothing happened to me. Don't you see? 
I mean, how could I write something if I was already dead? So, yeah, so the podcast is 40 today, which is quite nice. Uh, nice little milestone. We aren't quite in midlife crisis mode yet, but we will be by, well, mid middle of next month, probably, end of next month. Um, I'm not exactly sure how many episodes I'm going to be able to get out of this, really. Um, it should be somewhere around 97, 98. Uh, I'm, I'm going to see if I can get up to 100 just so I can hit that milestone. Um, but obviously I don't want to bang on about various elements of syndication and stuff like that to do that. So we'll see how we get on. We're a long way off that anyway. Yeah, there's a there's a good another year of uh, of good of good stories and episodes to talk about before we get to that. Unfortunately, next week isn't one of those. Um, we got a matter of semantics. Um, which is written by Gene Kearney. It's uh, a short. It's one, two. It's a comedy short. Um, it's got Cesar Romero in, which is cool. Man. It's, it's the Joker from the '60s, uh, '60s Batman, and he's hamming it up, something chronic, really good. Um, there's an interesting story about it, which we'll get into, which will be the bulk of what the episode's next week. In fairness, because that's the most interesting thing about who directed a match of semantics. Uh, but I'll save that, I'll keep your powder dry on that, and we'll wait till next week to talk about it. If you want to get hold of the podcast, please do. It'll be really good to hear your opinions, your thoughts. Uh, I, I know there's plenty of these out there, so if you want to say hello to me, you can do it on my private Twitter, at, at orange underscore monkey. Or you can email me at chris at thetwilightzonenetwork.com. Uh, if you go to the website www.thetwilightzonenetwork.com there is links to our Twitter and our Facebook. There's also um, something I put up this week which is a bit more of a chat and a look at the uh, Digital Fabulists um, ebooks. Uh, we've had a look at them and there's a bit of a review, review on the website about those, uh, those scripts. If you want to take a look before you uh, spend your money, although I would say if you're uh, if you're a fan, there's certainly a couple of in that collection. I think that you'd you'd really enjoy. But until next week, where I get to talk about, uh, or we get to do one of many vampire blood bank jokes again. Um, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. <laughs>